Hey everybody, this is So Heidi, and you're listening to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. We all know that the fashion industry is brutally competitive and it takes loads of hard work to get ahead. The problem is that everyone's secretive and tight-lipped about their ways. After working as a designer and educator for over a decade, I wanted to help break down those barriers and bring you valuable knowledge from industry experts, and this show is exactly where you'll find that. Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode 64 of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today I'm chatting with Anushka Santella. Anushka has a brand of clothes called Wear Gold, and you guys are going to love her story. So for everyone out there listening who feels like, I don't have any experience in fashion, I come from a different industry, I have no idea what I'm doing, I have no idea where to even start, Anushka's story is exactly like yours. She had all these great ideas. She started kind of sketching them. She never really thought about having a fashion brand and thought this is not really something that people do. It's like being a Hollywood actress, which is so interesting because it's exactly how I always felt about getting into the industry years ago. Bottom line, she decided to just kind of go for it. She started seeing people around her uh, doing entrepreneurial things and making it happen. And she thought, you know what? I'm going to do this. Her story and journey is so amazing and so inspiring. And she tells us exactly how in just six short months, she went Literally from zero to launch, she started out with nothing, and in six months, she had her first collection out the door and was starting to sell. She walks us through exactly step-by-step what she did to get there, how she got people to her website to actually purchase, how she got through production, not without a few painful moments, a few, you know, failures and, and rough patches along the way, which is what happens in life, what happens in an entrepreneurial journey, but she's really transparent. Um, I was really excited to have Anushka on the show today as well because she is a longtime listener and fan. Before we started recording, she started telling me, and we talk about it a little bit at the end of the episode as well, that she's listened to every single podcast episode I've ever put out, which is so amazing to hear. And she reached out to me on Instagram just to say hi and to chat and see how things were going and let me know how much she loved the show. And after a little bit of dialogue and conversation, I invited her to be a guest. And she was over the moon thrilled. And she said, I never really thought about being a guest. I'm just here as a listener. Um, but she has so much to share and such a great journey. So I know you guys are really going to love listening to everything she has to say. Now, I will always remind you the best way you guys can help grow the show, grow the audience, help me get bigger, better, awesomer guests on here, and help share all this knowledge with other people out there that are trying to make it in this industry is to let someone know about the show. So if you have a friend, a coworker, a boss, whoever it may be, and you think that they would like to listen to the show that they would gain some insights and some tips go ahead and give them some value and share the show with them let them know that you're thinking about them and and you have this great resource that you think they would enjoy do that right now send a text or an email to someone who you think would appreciate listening to the successful fashion designer podcast i'm sure they will thank you and i thank you very 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 much i appreciate each and every one of you now let's jump into the interview with anushka to access the show notes for today's episode visit sfdnetwork.com 64 Welcome, Anushka, to the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. Um, I would love to have you introduce yourself to everybody and let us know who you are and what you do in the fashion industry. Okay, well, thank you for having me. Um, So I'm from Paris. I was born there and I grew up there. And a few years ago, I moved to England. So this is where the brand is based. So I've got a clothing brand. 
Um, I was always drawing clothes ever since I was a kid, but I never ever thought of it as a career. Like I think I kind of always thought of fashion designer as the same kind of job as like I want to be a singer or an actor or whatever. It's like yeah. kind of fantasy world job that no one actually ever does apart from like a lucky few kind of thing so I never actually it never really occurred to me that I could do this and one day like I was I never studied fashion I didn't study business not anything like that so I really didn't ever consider it I studied journalism so nothing to do with that but uh, one day I was really unhappy in my job I was just working in a bar job and I just didn't really know what I was doing I knew I wanted to do something a bit more creative kind of thing but I didn't know exactly what and I was just constantly constantly making a list of clothes that I wish existed that I couldn't find or drawing clothes myself it just hit me that I could actually potentially do that and I think that's because when I moved to England I've met a lot of people who had their own brands um, or at least like vintage brands or like they just I, I don't know if it's because I was a bit older than when I was in Paris or if it's an English thing I know starting a business in England is easier than in France so that might be why but in France none of my friends were like sort of entrepreneurs kind of type of people mm. whereas in here I feel like a lot of people were so I think it kind of made me feel like oh I could actually potentially do that that's not like a crazy thing that never is going to happen kind of thing so I just uh, yeah I took a few business classes uh, I took a short course with Central St. Martins the fashion school of London and I just started to look at where and how to get the clothes made all I knew was that I wanted everything to be made in England that that was my only thing that really mattered to me and then I launched the brand Wow. Okay. So, like, give us a rough timeline of all this happening. You had, you like, so kind that's of, literally yeah. a year ago. Like, I quit my job and started to take the classes in mid June last year. Oh. So that oh. went really fast. And I launched in December. Wow. Yes. That, that was quick. really quick. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, like, okay. walk us through that a little bit more. So, you, you like, you always paralleled being working in fashion or being a fashion designer to, like, I mean, I always paralleled it the same thing. It's like being a famous actress. It's like, nah, normal people like me don't really do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you, you saw some people around you when you moved to England doing that and you thought, wait, maybe I can do that. And then that's an yeah. insanely quick timeline. I know. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, I think it's just the kind of thing where I was like, oh, I think I really want to do that and I've kind of given it a bit of a thought but mainly I just did the the fashion design class with Central St. Martins and I was like I was still working at that point like I still have at my job and I thought that give me because it was two months I thought that give me enough time to think whether I really want to do this or not I think doing this for two months I'll know whether that's something that I'm really passionate about enough to make a like job out of it career out of it or whether it's just like my latest, oh, I want to do this this week and that's just going to go away. And by the end of it, I was like, yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. And also, I think I've always wanted to have my own business, whether I didn't necessarily know what, but I've always wanted to either work freelance or like not having a boss and being in charge and being able to do what I wanted the way I wanted to do it was always something that really appealed to me so I think that's that kind of made sense to me and what has your like work experience been before this and not in fashion not in fashion at all like I uh, so I studied journalism and I really want I absolutely love writing I still like I want to write books I want to do all of those kind of stuff but like that's more on the side and right now I need to focus on the fashion thing really yeah. but that's still something that I'm really really into but I was like I did a few 
internships in magazines, but they had nothing to do with fashion. Um, and like my only, the closest thing I've ever done to do with fashion was modeling for like a couple of rounds of people I knew. That was literally it. And buying way too many clothes. So that's a very, very, <laughs> <laughs> not a very small experience. Consuming a lot of fashion. <laughs> yeah. But that, to be fair, that did um, kind of help me get here in the sense that I know what I don't want to do. Ah. And I think that's why I really wanted to make everything in England because I used to consume fashion like a crazy person, like going to, to Topshop and spending like 190 pounds in like one go every couple of weeks or something. Like it was really insane. And I think I just realized like, yeah, that's not actually what I want to do anymore. That's not the way I want to see fashion because it's so destructive to like, well, so many things like human lives and environment and all sorts and I was like I want something that I can be proud of and I'm not thinking like people are in danger when they're making the clothes or, or this is actually really affecting earth in a really bad way kind of thing and I think if I hadn't gone to the extreme in the opposite direction maybe I wouldn't have realized that kind of thing because I see the waste I see how I've worn something twice and then never touched it again and it's like what's the point like I hate that yeah now. and so having everything made in England like what's what's the biggest benefit for that is it just that you get to be close you get to visit the factory you get to meet the workers and i know you've sent me some details about how exactly you kind of went about your first round of production so maybe we should start with that like what does this yep. really look like and i i want to go like a little bit more into detail because i'm still sitting here like jaw dropped with like i took this class at central st martin's it was two months back last june which is less than a year ago and then in december yeah. i launched like you went from zero to 60 in like five seconds yeah. and i i have to know like what did that really look like <laughs> walk us through so, how that all happened especially with no so, knowledge and the in, no like background and yeah, expertise yeah, yeah yeah so the thing is and I think that's the thing that, that saved me and that's the reason why I didn't just like I managed to even launch at all uh, was that I found an amazing pattern maker she's like the best person I've met so far of my job journey mm. like she's absolutely amazing it's the first person who I've met to do with the job so I've got no I, uh, I'm learning how to sew now but I don't even know how to sew so that's like really really no experience at all and literally it's just imagining the clothes that's the only thing I can do and I think I'm well I don't want to say I'm good at it because it's like whatever but I don't think I'm terrible at it <laughs> which is good considering I've got a closing run but but yeah I think it's like I'm good at thinking like ah oh, this would be even cooler if it had like this kind of back or an open back or imagine this a bit longer and this like that or whatever but I can't actually make anything like the technical side of it I'm really rubbish at so I'm learning that to so now and I'm actually doing a lot better I, as, as, than I thought I would so that's quite good but uh, when I first started I was like I have no idea to work a pattern I didn't even know I mean I was all I did was taking the clothes I had turning them inside out looking at how they were made kind of thing to have a vague idea but I still like I mean when I got especially with it being all in English when I got to my pattern makers for the first time I didn't even know the difference between dart and seam because it was all like <laughs> words that I didn't know in English at all so I was like I had to learn everything yeah but she's so patient she's been so great she's literally she's my, like my work mom she's like Aww. really more than like taught me everything and she's really really good so she, that's absolutely great that I found her that was the luckiest thing and that's the only person that I found from the beginning that I'm still like working with now because uh, I think it, it's actually really shocking how unprofessional and how unreliable people are in this industry I mean I think it's in every industry to be honest but I've had some really bad 
experiences with manufacturers, seamstresses, and all that. But she's the pattern maker has been like absolutely amazing from the beginning. So she's the first person I went to meet. I gave her my designs, and I was like, "This is what I want to do." And she was like, "Okay, like this skirt, for example, needs uh, a slit somewhere because you literally wouldn't be able to walk in there." And I was like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> <laughs> like I was really I didn't think things through at all which I obviously do now which like I think I've learned a lot in like a short amount of time because I had to um but yeah so she started making the patterns I found a seamstress the first seamstress I've met I've actually only given her like accessories to make so I wanted like neckerchiefs and scrunchies things like that she's made a few and then she literally ghosted me, <laughs> like, oh you know, when, like, when people, like, just stop talking to you, but it's, like, usually, like, boys and girls on Tinder kind of thing, like, to, oh, it's, like, oh, he's completely stopped calling me back. Well, to me, that was, like, my seamstress, which is so depressing, <laughs> but she is literally just, like, when MIA, and I know she's still around, because I was, like, oh, maybe something happened to her, but I went to a place where I know she used to go all the time because her friend worked there, where they sell, like, fabrics and things. And they were like, no, I've seen her yesterday. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I think I've tried to get in touch with her for a couple of months before I officially gave up. Wow. So she still has some of my fabrics as well, which is a bit annoying. Um, so that's that was the first bad experience I had, really. That was like, okay, this isn't what you want, really, for people to disappear on you when you've they've got your things. Uh, so that wasn't great. But then I went to meet... So I went to a few factories. I really wanted very small factories. Like, and obviously, getting everything made in England, I don't think there's any massive factories. It's not like Bangladesh where you get like whole buildings kind of thing. Like it's it's always going to be quite small-ish. Uh, so I went to visit a small factory, and I think they so they knew that it was my first uh, like my first uh, collection, and they definitely tried to take advantage of that. Like. The sample, to make just one sample, they would have taken me a thousand pounds, which is ridiculous. <laughs> like yeah. it's and you were comp- providing the pattern even. I was providing the pattern and the fabric. Oh, they and were just cutting and sewing. Like, and everything, yeah. So a thousand pounds is like, like, they were clearly trying their luck. Wait, um, before you go any further, I want to I know, like, where did you find your pattern maker who luckily wound up being amazing? So, and then where do you find the seamstress? Where do you find the manufacturer? Like, where are you finding all these people? So I found everyone online. Oh, okay. uh, no, actually, sorry. I found the pattern maker online. Uh, the way Just, I like, found it. Uh, yeah, I went to look for uh, sewing classes and I thought someone who's giving sewing classes probably knows people who can sew professionally now and maybe make patterns oh. and I've asked her and it turns out she was like oh I also do this freelance if you want so that's how I found her okay. uh, but and that's also how I looked for the first seamstress and the first seamstress I found in the fabric shop I went to a fabric shop and I asked the people who work there do you know any good seamstresses because obviously they they see people who sew like all day every day so yeah. they're bound to know someone uh, so well that was one was a bit unlucky because she ended up not being great but I found some really good ones that way so it's still like a really good way to find people yeah. and the factory I did find online there's a, a website that's called let's make it here I think it's only well I'm not sure but I, f- I feel like it's only for England it might be let's make uh, it here yeah okay I haven't heard of that yeah it might just be for England to be honest but it it's all about like things in the industry that are all made in England basically so I oh, found cool. uh, the first factory there and yeah that's mainly I think I just use the internet and obviously word of mouth is that how you call it yeah. sorry yeah <laughs> you got it you got it 
Uh, yeah, like the more you meet people, the easier it is. But at first, obviously, I didn't know anyone. So I kind of had to refer to Google quite a lot. Yeah. Okay, so you found this factory and then they're like, we want to charge you a thousand pounds for a sample. Yeah, and you're like, what? Ridiculous. And also, I think it's just like, when I got there, it was like, they made me come at five, which is obviously when all the workers were done. So I thought it was a bit weird. Like, it's like, I wanted to see the people who were working mm-hmm. on their clothes. I wanted to see how they were working. And I asked if I could come early. They say no. So I thought there was something a bit dodgy anyway. So I kind of went thinking I'm not going to go with it, but I still wanted to give it a try. Sure. And, sure. you know, when I got there, there was like, plates with like chicken bones everywhere which I think was from their lunch and it was just it just didn't feel like they tried because I I told my dad before going I was like oh I'm really stressed and he was like you know you don't have to be stressed because you're the one who wants to hire them so they're the ones who are gonna have to be like trying to convince you to go for them basically Mm -hmm. because I'm the one who's paying them and it definitely didn't feel like that like it felt like they were like totally not bothered because I was new and I don't know they were just probably thinking they've got more important clients that they can work with kind of thing so I just didn't like the way the guy was talking to me he was extremely condescending he kept on being like yeah you know it's hard to start a line and it's like yeah I know thanks like I'm not stupid like I'm new but I'm not dumb <laughs> like it's not like I don't think it's gonna go like oh yeah everything's just fine like straight away like it's because he was like yeah I was like well that's a bit more expensive than I thought I was like yeah but you know it's hard it's like yeah I've talked to loads of factories and even the most expensive ones were not that expensive so I just was like, that's weird. And I talked to my parent maker about it and she was like, no, don't go for it. Like, it's definitely not supposed to be those prices. So then when I met with another factory, she came with me, which was amazing uh, because she could check whether she thought they were like going to be good quality. First of all, I could go in the afternoon. So I saw everyone working there. It was really small. It was like four people behind their sewing machines. It was not like, I don't know, it didn't feel dodgy. It felt like completely family owned business kind of thing. Um, and yeah, that was quite good. So they've made my first collection. I've not, I'm still working with them on a couple of trousers, but I'm not going to work with them on any more things because I think they're really good for very basic things, but they're not as used to making things that are maybe a little bit more, I'm going to say complicated, but it's not actually really complicated. It's just not like straightforward t-shirts and jeans kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the first collection, it was actually okay because I think that's a bit of a mistake that I've made, but um, the first collection that I drew was a lot better, in my opinion, than the one I ended up getting out. Uh, because when I decided to actually go for it, I kind of got scared that if it wasn't simpler, people wouldn't buy it, which mm. was really stupid of me. But, you know, I'm just like learning obviously it was my first collection it was bound to not be perfect (laughs) but um, I think yeah it's just I'd made everything slightly simpler apart from one suit that's a little bit more like I've never seen a suit that looks exactly like that and I think well that's the most popular piece which proves that I was wrong to go like this because obviously the only thing that I left exactly as I originally designed it ended up being the one that sells the most and that so I think I should really carried on with uh, my instinct so from now on I'm like going for something a bit more original and I've got a bit more of a unique feel because because it's made in England it's expensive so if people are gonna spend a hundred pounds on a pair of cold trousers that they can spend 30 pounds on in H&M why would they go to the new brand that they don't know they don't care necessarily that it's made in England so it has to have something more I think to offer in the design aesthetic Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so did you, were you like, were you just drawing all this stuff on paper by hand and they're just yes. like rough sketch it? Yeah. Like, did they look amazing? 
No. <laughs> okay. No, I just I have to call that out because I think that it's easy to, for us to have this conversation and people made a picture in their head. Oh, you're drawing these great sketches and then you're taking the pattern maker and she's taking you really seriously. But it's like these are just like napkin sketches. No, you don't have a fashion exactly, drawing background. No, exactly. Which is exactly why I took the Central St. Martin's course, because I wanted them to teach me how to draw in a more technical way ah. so that I could go and be like a bit more confident when I would go to the pattern maker and be like, okay, this is how this is going to be made. And this is where you put the seam because of this. And, and they didn't teach me that at all, which was a bit disappointing. It was all about like how to create a mood board and things like that, which I already had my old collection. So I didn't need that. So that the was a bit. The creativity side uh, of it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Not the technical. No. So my pattern maker is the one who's really taught me the most technical side of it. So my drawings are definitely better now than they were the first collection that I brought to her. It was like <laughs> literally just like anyone drawing a t-shirt basically. Yeah. Okay. And so then um, like what you you have these drawings and you get some samples made and like now you know that this this uh suit that's that you left the unique details on is the best seller like what have i wanted two things one what happened throughout the process that you started taking your original ideas that were let's say a little bit more unique and simpling simpling dumbing them down like taking <laughs> out some of the details like just making them a little bit more mainstream like what really happened there i'm curious so it's like, I think it's more, first of all, my whole first collection, which was really small because obviously it was the first one and I didn't have billions of pounds to put in it. So it was only like seven or eight garments, but they're all black, uh, which, I mean, I love black, but it's not necessarily, I actually wear a lot of colors. And I think I was like, no, black is the classiest, black is the simplest, black is the, I think everything always looks better in black, but in real life, I actually have loads of non-black things and I ended up making everything black because I felt like no that's the safest thing to do mm. which was one of the example of how I made everything a bit more maybe simple like no like the only thing that's got patterns is that suit and it's like black with uh gold stripes but they're like going down like the stripes are not uh horizontal they're like vertical, vertical. yeah uh, so like on the jacket and the and the trousers and the jacket is it's not like a blazer or anything. It's like kind of a crop jacket and you close it with four buttons kind of on the side. So like kind of like going over your boob, basically. Okay. <laughs> and it's like I, I drew that without really thinking. One day I was watching TV and I was just drawing literally as a... Because I didn't even think of starting the brand back then. So that was just like me ent like entertaining myself, like relaxing or whatever. And I drew that and I thought, oh, this is actually quite nice man I wish I could wear this or whatever so I was like I definitely want to make this once I decided to start the brand but um, I think it's got a bit more of an original cut than anything else that I've made and anything else everything else that I was drawing was a bit more like I really love things that are very like I always say Gucci-esque because it's very Gucci like now but it's very like regal and loads of like over the top colors and patterns and frills and things like this but I also like the sort of effortless probably because I'm from Paris not wanting to make it a cliche but I guess people in Paris like if you wear something a bit freely people literally look at you in the street so you have to be a bit more blending in and a bit more classy in a almost sort of boyish undone aesthetics and I love the fact that to me the over-the-top side is very English and the effortless style is very like French and I like the fact that I can get them to meet a little bit mm. and uh, I think in the first collection I kind of stayed in the simpler more 
and done kind of easiest aesthetics than the actual yeah there's that but there's also this detail that makes it a bit more interesting kind of thing so i just took everything and made it simpler basically plainer no no interest well not not interesting details because i do love the collection i do wear it like all the time and stuff but i wish there was more things that were also a bit more unique i think it's like like a black jumpsuit that's got a nice cut for example and it's velvet it's really nice and it's very comfortable and you know i could wear it for like every single day i feel like i'm in my pajamas but it's not necessarily like a wow piece yeah but so you just you really scaled it back because you felt like that was a safer route to go so you think maybe you just got a little yeah. too nervous with like taking any yeah. risks Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And so then, like, how did you get to the point? Because, again, I'm still like, wow, six months. Okay, how did you get to the point that you... So you had your factory making stuff. You did your first line. And then you're, like, already selling stuff within, again, such a short time span. So, like, when did you start thinking about selling? And how did you go about that? Has it been all online? Are you doing pop-up shops? Like, what is this really looking like? So it's all online and it's only through the website. Uh, so I've made the website, which took me <laughs> longer than I thought it would. <laughs> I mean, I knew it would be difficult, but I didn't realize just quite how difficult. But it's, to be fair, I've made it on Squarespace, which is like fairly easy. Um, and it's very good because you've got like a full support thing. So as soon as you've got a question, you just have to Google like, how do I do this on Squarespace? And you've got the reply. So it's not actually that hard. It just takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So for three weeks straight, I was working from 8 a.m. till midnight every day just doing the website. I had like the worst headaches. Uh, but by the end of it, yeah, it's just all on it. Um, I really, I do want to do more. Like I really want to sell on other websites mainly, just like, um there's a few really really good ones i love they always stock the best brands and i'm thinking like i would it's like the dream to see my brand there so like i don't know if you know like garmentry or lisa says gar or things like that they're just like but i think they're all american as well so i don't know why i keep on (laughs) going overseas for everything (laughs) but they're just they've got the same because at first my plan was to sell everything on asus marketplace but i didn't realize how expensive everything was going to be to make and uh, once I realized how much I would have to sell the clothes for, I was like, ASOS Marketplace is so not my target clientele at all because I would be way more expensive than anything, everything else. So that I couldn't just uh, get on it. And yeah, I think it needs. I need a bit more. Um, mainly it's because I, tr- I did everything so fast. I started working in August on the winter collection, but I didn't actually receive it until the very morning I started selling it, (laughs) (laughs) which was a bit unplanned. I had a few production issues, like nothing major, but the first time I received all of the clothes, none of the buttons were placed correctly. Oh, So that, that is the kind of thing that makes you feel completely suicidal like a week from the day you want to launch <laughs> that's not good at all so i was just looking at it being like well this is all wrong like it, it obviously wasn't much because it was just the bonds everything else was fine so it's not a dramatic thing but you still have to send everything back for them to change it and then send them back to you uh so yeah i received everything on the day where i said like this is going live so i was like you need to send me everything back from back by that point and they did so that was fine but it was a a very stressful week yeah and so like what was the launch like because I think it's it's not just as simple as like spending three weeks I mean eight to midnight that's still it's still an insane amount of time and effort but it's not like you just put up a website and turn it on and then 
people come and buy stuff like it's not indeed yeah, ta- talk a little bit about that will you because I, it's it's hard to sell and it's hard to just put up a website and get people there but you like hit go and you launched and you've gotten sales like what how does all this happen it is so hard to sell way harder than I, well not harder than i thought it would be but on, on some ha- on some level it's been easier than planned but oh. it harder at the same time it's really weird it didn't happen like i thought it would at all so basically my only uh, medium of communication with anyone is Instagram so that's the only thing I've got that's the only thing I use which is obviously not enough which is why I want to be stocked in other places because I need to like reach more people than just however many followers I've got uh, but that was the only thing I used really so th- and that like I think the Instagram grew quite quickly like in a only a couple of like maybe three or four months, I got to a thousand followers, which was more than I thought I would like, yeah, in two or three months. So that was quite good. I was quite happy with it. I'm sure a lot of people who are like working for Instagram are listening to this being like, this is rubbish. But to me, that was really good. And, uh, and that's just, yeah, I think that was the only thing that I did. So people would just come from Instagram, basically. And so you just like, and how did you build your Instagram? You just started posting pictures or like, Yes, literally just started posting photos and hoped for the best. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like I, like I don't do that whole marketing thing. Well, I don't even know. If, like, I wouldn't call it marketing, but like where people go and like follow people and then unfollow them as soon oh, as right. they follow them back. I think that's the worst thing ever. I agree. Like, I think, like people do this to me to my personal Instagram, and I'm like, why would I? Like, I can see what you're doing. I'm not gonna follow you. <laughs> like, yeah. what are you doing? Uh, I think that's just completely ridiculous, and I don't think that would actually. I mean, I'm sure it works for some people, but it's not really how I want it to work. Like, I want people to follow me because they like the brand or the aesthetics or whatever. But I do like people's photos quite a lot uh, because, well, first of all, it gets them to go see my profile. But also, like, I literally have to, like, draw, like, design clothes all the time and I need to stay inspired. And there's no better way for me to do it than to go check what people are, like, either wearing or even just, like, land landscapes gardens whatever it is like you find sort of inspiration anywhere and i think instagram is a great exactly like pinterest it's just like great sources of inspiration for that like so i love spending time on instagram and just browsing through loads of people's profiles but it is it at first i was like oh my god this is like the best thing ever and then it's like oh my god this is the most tiring thing ever i'm so sick of seeing like sunset photos <laughs> like the first few i was like oh my god so nice and now i'm like why is everyone posting this <laughs> but you know i probably do too it's just i don't expect that anyone's going to look at 20 profiles in a row like on the same day and then you realize everyone's kind of into the same kind of things yeah Okay, so okay, so the you kind of slowly started building the Instagram, and that sounds like it came fairly organically. And then you just from there, you just were able to direct people to the website yeah. um, through the link in your bio. And were you like telling them about everything that was going on, and like, oh, hey, we're launching, and like, go check it out. These pieces are now available. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I post, I post one photo of the brand a day, so it doesn't really give them much space to forget about it. <laughs> 
okay, so good. <laughs> just make sure. And I can really see if I don't, like, I, I never don't anymore, but when I didn't, I would get, like, only, I don't know, between 5 and 15 people going to see the website, whereas if I do, it always goes up. So I think people literally, you need to be in their face, which is horrible on in on one hand, because it's like, I don't want to force people, but, you know, I don't force them to go check the link in bio. It's just like, literally, they just have to be reminded of it, yeah. I guess. Okay, and so that's that's your one channel. You're getting people from Instagram to the site and you're getting some sales and you're starting to see like what's working, what's not working and starting yes. to be able to plan and think better for how you can improve in the future. Exactly, yeah. Okay, so that was the for the December thing, launch. Yes. So the other thing that is a mistake that I've made, which I think is like a mistake that a lot of people make, to be honest, when they start. Uh, well, from what I've read and heard and people talk about a lot uh, but i fell into that trap completely it was uh, the margin like i totally didn't uh, take the right margin yeah. so yeah. it's supposed to be like 2.5 or something but i literally took 0. 0.5 <laughs> which oh, was no. <laughs> so i can't make a living out of it from that because it's like even if i sell the clothes like it's not actually getting me any money and on top of that which was more of an issue because I never really expected to make a living out of the first collection anyway. But what's really a problem is that I can't sell like wholesale to other websites or boutiques or whatever that would then sell me because I can't give them a wholesale price. Otherwise I would actually end up losing money. So that's something that I'm working on for the second collection, not to make that mistake again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So can you like for people out there listening that don't quite understand margin or what that actually means and the 2.5 markup yes. versus the 0.5, can you give us like just using some round numbers, talk about how, what those numbers actually look like and then how that does or doesn't work for you when it comes to trying to sell wholesale versus retail? Yeah, of course. So basically, if I make like a, a dress that's costing me £50 for production, so it means that every single dress that I make you know, of that model is costing me £50 just to have it made, then I have to add up the price of the fabric. So I try, like in the first collection, I had to use quite a lot of polyester, like more than I wanted to, but I wanted loads of nice velvet kind of things and things like that. Like in the second collection, I'm trying, like I've only got two polyester things, I think. Like everything else is cotton or linen or, and I definitely, my goal is to only use either organic fabrics or really good environmentally friendly mm -hmm. quality fabrics. Like that's something that I'm really, really set on, but it's really hard when you don't have the budget for it. Yeah. Uh, but the more it goes, the more, like I've got one organic cotton top in this one, which I'm really, really happy about. Like I really want to go that direction completely. Yeah. So that, the fabric obviously, See, it's quite expensive, especially when you try to do things like that. Or if you've got like a nice thing, but it needs to be lined. Like when you like making everything in England, it's going to be expensive anyway. So I might as well go for quality products <laughs> and make them even more expensive because it's not going to change much at that point. So you obviously want things that are going to be nice. The buttons uh, that I use are all the same and they've all got like a fleur de lis, which is like a lily thing, which is like the French uh, symbol for royalty, which I absolutely love that yeah. symbol. So all of the buttons have that. I've got that on them. So they're obviously quite expensive because they're not just like simple buttons. You have everything else, like so much more than I thought, like interfacing. I didn't even know what interfacing was. When I first <laughs> it doesn't cost much, but when you have to put it in absolutely everything, you end up spending a lot on that. Yeah. Uh, like labels, wash care labels. You obviously have the pattern, which is slightly different because you don't, 
like if you make more of the clothes, you don't actually end up paying for the pattern again. So you, you do a bit of a different calculation on how to spread the price, but you do still need to basically pay for that. Yeah. Uh, and like so many other things, like the website, like things are a lot more in time. So you might divide them on like a four year span instead of just like however many dresses you make. But it's still something that you need to consider and think about when you're pricing them up because it's still some money that you need. So you add all, all of that up together, gives you the price of how much you're actually paying for, per dress. You divide it by the number of dresses you make, which in my case, I only make extremely small, um, extremely small production lines because I don't want to waste. First of all, I'm only just starting. There's no point in me having like 3,000 of something when it's like I've got 1,000 something followers on Instagram. Like I'm not going to sell 3,000 dresses. <laughs> and it's also, I don't want to do like that fast fashion, like let's get as many as possible and then we're just going to waste a thousand and five hundred and it doesn't matter that it's just completely destroying the planet like I don't want to do that so which is why I've said like my first collection I don't know how long it'll take for me to sell absolutely everything like things that I've sold really well I've made a few more of because it was like working well but even if it takes me 10 years to like get rid of my jumpsuit it'll be on the website for 10 years like I don't care like it's not my point is not to make clothes that are only good this year anyway mm. like I want to make things that you can also look great in five years or 10 years or 15 years like they're supposed to last they're not supposed to be pieces that are only good for like three occasions so I don't care how long it takes for me to sell them like they'll always be on sale as long as I've got them uh, because there's no way I'm getting rid of them and polluting when it's like someone might actually like them in five years and think this is great I'm so glad I found that yeah so you're making these so, timeless pieces that are just they're just going to keep working yes yeah and also yeah. Thing, because obviously when you're using when you're making clothes you've always got fabrics left that it's not enough to make another piece of but you've still got too much to just throw away so I'm making uh, bags out of them which you know some of them look really good some of them maybe wouldn't be the kind of fabric that you would think of for a bag initially but it's like you know what? it doesn't matter like I don't want to waste it and someone might love it because of how original it looks so I'm just gonna go with it because I don't want to waste anything basically yeah. Okay, so a little bit on the margin stuff. So just to clarify, so you like add up all these costs and you divide it amongst your your inventory. And so you threw out some numbers, 2.5 and 0.5. So like for for people out there who don't quite understand how that all works, um, let's say you take, you figure out your, and for even numbers, we'll just use 100. So if you're hard costs come out to $100 for this dress, your standard markup is going to be 2.5, meaning you multiply that times 2.5. So your standard retail price for that's going to be $250. And you could there's different formulas to calculate the wholesale price backwards off of that. But it has to be inflated so much because if you were to take that wholesale price, excuse me, that your base price, your cost, yeah. and sell it to a shop, or, you know, someone else has to take a cut if you're selling it off of someone else's website. And then that has to get marked up again so that everybody in the line gets some some profit off of that. And then it sounds like what you did was you said, okay, I'm going to take this dress that cost me $100 and I'm going to mark it up 0.5. Well, I would say it would be like a 1.5. Would you do it to like 150 which doesn't allow yes. room for no. markup no. or to have someone else in the line. But then it's, it's such a challenging spot because I've actually had a lot of people email me this. And so I'm curious to know what your thoughts are, what you're thinking of like for the next collection or the future, or what conversations you've maybe had with your audience. But this whole concept of like 
people want great fashion and they want quality stuff, but the price tag that comes with it sometimes is really hard to swallow. And so it's like, do you think that you have a market and a customer and audience that really could absorb that $250 price point or pound or whatever, like that higher price point using that just as a round number off of a $100 cost versus are you thinking, you know what, gosh, I really can't get people to justify this. I only marked it up to 150 because that's what I thought I could get. So now I have to figure out a way to decrease my cost. But then that's hard because now you're you're like, okay, well, maybe I have to find cheaper sewers. I have to work with cheaper fabric, which maybe starts to defeat the whole purpose of all the stuff you're trying to do. Like, yeah. where are you with all that? Well, to be honest, um, I think there's a point where if you're going to be a bit expensive and I mean, it's not, it's still not like 4,000 pounds for like a dress or anything, but if you're going to be a bit expensive, I think people who have the kind of money to put like 150 pounds in a dress probably have the money to put 250 a little bit. Maybe not everyone, but I think most people when it's like, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to put 150 pounds in a dress. I wouldn't have been able to put a hundred pounds in a dress when I was working, like, because I was working like on a minimum wage salary and i've got like life and rent and everything and it just wouldn't have allowed me to spend that much like 50 60 pounds would have been the absolute maximum that i would have spent on a dress i can see people who buy stuff for me they're buying usually more than one thing which proves that they do have the means Mm. to spend that kind of money Mm -hmm. i don't think they wouldn't buy it if it was 100 pounds more expensive i don't think that it's i think it's at a level where it doesn't actually make that much difference if that makes any sense yeah no 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 i understand and i've talked to a lot because obviously that was my first collection so my thought process was literally just like i cannot sell this for that much like i felt almost embarrassed to because i was like and and that's what i was saying earlier i think if my designs had been a bit more i mean i don't want to like it sounds like i'm absolutely hating the first collection i don't i love it (laughs) and i do think that designs are good but i think they're like classics good which means they're like they kind of work for most people i'd say and for any kind of situation which is great and they're kind of like staples which is fine like i think a high-waisted court trousers is a great thing to have in your in your wardrobe but they're not like the wow can't believe this girl is wearing this amazing thing kind of thing they're easier and i think i couldn't justify in my head spending like making people spend that much money on something that wasn't like that wow thing Mm. um so i think that's why i just i literally was just like no not putting this like not putting the cold trousers for more than 98 pounds because i can't get over 100 pounds for them like to me that seems ridiculous so that's why i left it on those prices but that's also why for my designs now i want to make it worth the money so my thought is definitely not to go for an alternative that's cheaper because that would mean that i can't work with people in england anymore or i have to like go with really crap fabrics or like i just don't i want the quality to be really good i want people to be able to keep the pieces forever i want to feel good about the brand and think like people are being paid correctly to make them and they're i'm not using terrible fabrics and it's all like it's something that i can be completely proud of and not something that i'm thinking like well yeah it's great but i don't really want to think too much about where it was made or things like that like that would depress me so much i'd rather not have a brand i think so if i want to carry on with that sort of those ethics that i have I think it needs to just be with the design going back to what I originally was planning on doing, which is, okay, you spend a bit of money on it, but you know, like not a lot of people will have it. So, you know, 
it's worth it. It's something that's a bit more original. You don't find it everywhere. And also, there's not that many of them that I'm producing, and even less now because I'm actually only working with uh, dressmakers now. So they're more expensive than factories. So it's going to be more expensive anyway. But it's going to be really good quality, and it's all handmade, and it's all like there's a story behind it as well. The like I really want to make a, a video once I've got all of the dressmakers that I want. I really want to make a video of each of them working on it, and I want it to be like this is this person in Leicester working on this dress. This suit was made near London by Pete, who's ninety six. <laughs> Maybe not ninety six, but you know what I mean. I was like, wait, do you really have like a ninety six year old seamstress? That would be amazing. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I do have one that's probably. Probably, I'm going to say 70 oh, and she's amazing and she's yeah. working like she's she's retired and she's done it her entire life but she wants to carry on doing it like because she loves it and she's absolutely great and I think that's like I want people to feel more involved in the clothes I don't want it to be just like oh yeah whatever that suit like uh, for the price that it costs I want it to be like oh this suit was made in Brighton like interesting yeah <laughs> don't know if it interests anyone but it would interest me i would feel like i wanted people to be able to see it being made and to be like ah this is so cool so like how you said you want to make a video which i think is really cool and like giving people behind the scenes glimpse and stuff yeah. but up until now like how have you been communicating to people since it's just online and they're finding you on instagram and going to your site like how do you really communicate to them you know this is a 98 pound trouser this is the quality you know like what what kind of story are you telling them already and how are you conveying to them you know because they don't you know you're you're this new brand it's not like they know the yeah. name they understand yeah, exactly. the you, you know if you go to H&M, you know what you're going to get. If you go to Gucci, you know what you're going to get. But, yeah. like, how are you doing yeah. this already? It's really hard. Like, it's, it's it's very true. Like, it's really hard to get people to know who you are and what you stand for kind of yeah. thing. So, mainly, because there's, like, I've obviously wrote about it in the About section on the website. But it's like, do people go see the About section? Like, you, <laughs> you have to be quite interested to go see the About section. Yeah. Um, but I've mainly used uh, Instagram stories to say stuff like that. Because I feel like that's the most efficient way. Yeah. Like, I feel like when I, I made a story, because I had quite a few people sending me messages on Instagram being like, so who are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> being like, what, what's this all about? Because I did say briefly on Instagram, like, okay, so like, I want this to be like as ethical as possible, or this is all made in like cotton. This is a 100% organic cotton, whatever. But I don't really like... I don't want my Instagram to look like a, a nad. So I like it when it's like nice photos of lifestyle situation where you see the models and you're like, oh my God, this could be me. Like this is me with my friends. I don't want it to look like, lo let, just look at the dress. Yeah. Like I don't like that. Uh, so I didn't really want to communicate it too much underneath the photos in the captions because I think that would... I don't know, it just creates something which probably would be good and would work on some level to get people more aware of where it is, but I don't really want it to sort of pollute the Instagram uh, vibe that I'm going for, which is more like, this is just people looking at the photos and I just want them to think this looks so nice because they can see themselves wearing the clothes in this situation mm -hmm. more than anything else. But with these stories, I think you can just really go more behind the scenes it's not as curated as what you actually post on your grid, which has yeah. to be quite nice and whatever. Like in the stories, I can just be like, oh, this is me like sewing this thing, this button up and this is whatever. And so when people started asking me questions to know more about the brand, I just did a story that I've put 
on the highlight so people can still see it now like it didn't disappear mm -hmm. and it's just saying a little bit like oh this is me Anushka like I'm from Paris and I basically started this run because I wanted to do this and I only like I hope that eventually I'd only use like really really good fabrics that are all organic and made of natural fibers and don't pollute too much which natural fibers actually pollute quite a lot when you turn them into fabrics which is like yeah. quite like wh whatever you do it's like you're kind of trapped <laughs> so you know try and find new solutions to make it work better but um yeah just that was mainly my only communication channel okay um, yeah yeah and that when i did that i actually like a lot of people wrote back to me being like that was so cool knowing more so i definitely want to do more of that but i'm waiting for at the moment i've got three dressmakers who are working on this collection and uh the next one and i'd like to have like maybe between five and seven kind of scattered around england before i can make the video okay and can I ask, um, and you don't have to share any specific numbers if you're not comfortable, but like, how did you fund all of this initially? Because like you said, it, it things add up, it gets really expensive, and then your margins start to get low because you don't want to charge so much. So like, yeah. is this self-funded with savings? Or what, do you, what did you look at for that? Uh, no, I'm extremely lucky. And uh, my dad has helped me start the company. So it's not, I mean, we started really small like i don't think it definitely wasn't like a hundred thousand pounds yeah like very far from it so i think we probably started almost a bit smaller than we probably should have or at least than other brands start so that's why also the production is so small uh but i like it because that goes with my values anyway so i don't mind the production line being really small yeah. uh but yeah i'm really lucky because my dad had like some money on the side day was like you know you're my daughter and i think this is a great project so i want to help you oh, so i didn't awesome. have to go to the bank which was really amazing and that's definitely something if anyone wants to start a business can avoid going to the bank that's obviously like a massive uh, weight off your shoulders because it's not even if you pay the person back it's just not the same sort of stress i think yeah yeah <laughs> when you're starting you don't know what it's gonna be like so you don't know if it's gonna take 25 years to pay them back <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so that that really looked out for you. And so where are you at now? You said you're working on your next collection. And when is that going to launch? So right now, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is a, a very uh, good other story. Uh, when I decided to stop working for the most part with the first uh, manufacturers who did my winter collection. So that was because I thought, okay, they're good for very simple things, but mm -hmm. not for what I'm going for now. And I had found another seamstress who was going to make like bags and scrunchies and stuff like that for me, who ho hopefully wasn't going to ghost me like the other one. <laughs> and uh, when I started talking to her about my manufacturers and the fact that they sent me stuff with like the buttons being misplaced and everything, she was like completely shocked. She was like, this is outrageous. Like, this is not okay. This is so unprofessional. What is wrong with people? Blah, blah, blah. So we were talking about this and she was saying that she wants, because she's in my city, so that was quite practical. She was saying that she was going to start, like, move studios. She was moving to another studio. She was going to have employees and she wanted to focus on dressmaking a lot more than just, because so far she was just doing, like, um, alterations. And she wanted to focus on more dressmaking, like, working with brands like myself. I was like, all right, well, I'm looking for someone new to make my first collection. So that was like a year ago. And I, well, maybe eight months ago. And I was looking for someone to do my summer collection for this summer. So I was like, yeah, I'm looking for someone, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, I can totally do that for you. And I was like, are you sure? Because it'd be quite a lot 
I mean, even if I make really small productions, it's obviously like a whole collection. That's quite a lot of pieces still for one person. She was like, no, it's fine. I've got two employees. So I think we can really definitely do that. Like, bring me your designs, bring me the patterns. And I brought everything a few months ago for her to start working on. And when I brought everything to her, she was moving studios. So it took like a couple of months before she was actually completely settled. So I was like, okay, we're wasting a bit of time. But I was like, we still have time. Like, it's fine. It was only like December or whatever. And then she just basically started never doing anything but always having excuses for it and that's again a really good mistake to make because then you learn from it but as soon as someone doesn't deliver when it's like for your job run away (laughs) because that's not worth the asshole so I just stayed thinking oh no she wasn't able to do it for next week like she said but that's only because she had this to do but she's definitely doing it for next week like the one after and then she wouldn't and she wouldn't and she wouldn't and the more I think I was just having an approach of like, it's fine, we still have a lot of time before I need the collection to be out because I wanted it to be out by like April or May and they were still quite far away. But uh, now it is May and she hasn't delivered anything to me. So she's not working for me anymore, obviously. Uh, But I had to literally find other seamstresses in a rush because she completely basically just took all of my parents and only made two things out of the I don't know like 13 I asked her to make like samples and she only made two of them in like six months which oh my gosh yeah so lesson learned like run away at the first red flag definitely like do not think I mean I'm sure people around are not as stupid as I am and they probably would I'm just like still new at it and I think I've got like I'm just like a well, why would anyone say that they can do something if they can't? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I was just thinking, no, she definitely can do it. She's just been a bit, like, stuck at work kind of thing. She's had, like... And she would do one thing in a while, so that would make me think, like, oh, see, she's still gain on it. But no, like, someone who's not committed is not worth your time and definitely not your money. Is she running this, like, full-time as a business or is she doing that yes. on the side? Okay, like, no. I'm wondering how... What do you think... Because... Gosh, it's really unfortunate. And I've heard, like, you're not the first person I've heard tell stories like this. And it's so bizarre yeah. to me, too, because I'm like, if you're in business and you say you're going to do something, like, you do something because you get paid and you provide the service and it's to your like, customer. I've like, that's basic. Her several times, like, are you sure you can take on that much work? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, definitely. And she still was saying she could do it, even when she was, even on the first signs of me being like, no, I don't think she can do it. Yeah. So thank God, I actually, like, I've got a really good husband who's very patient and is the best at giving me advice. Like without him, I would totally be lost. <laughs> and he doesn't know anything about it. He doesn't know anything about business or fashion, but he's just, I guess, just more clever than I am. And he was like, find another seamstress now. Yeah. He was like, even if you don't fire her, find a plan B. Like you don't want to be stuck with her. So I listened to him and I did find other people before she stopped working for me. So that was really, really fortunate because at least I'm not, I mean, it was, it's still like uh, a total panic, like, situation that you don't want to find yourself in but it forced me to go with the idea of having more than one seamstress like more than one dressmaker and having that kind of oh maybe each thing can be made at different places and that can be quite a nice thing about them so that's probably you know you need to find something positive of every situation (laughs) so like even though it's a little bit more to manage do you feel a little like a little bit more comfortable because you're diversified and you're not relying on one person for everything exactly like I'm never relying on one person anymore like I'm never ever sending all of my labels and all of my buttons to Mm -hmm. just one person because then you have to get them back from them which that's 
like I still have patterns that I still haven't had back from that person uh, that I keep on asking for and that she's just not giving me back. So that's like definitely, definitely keep things. Always make copies of everything. Like that's fine because I had copies, but still like you just want them back. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just out of principle. uh, Why would people be like this? So, But they are. It happens. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm not... um, I've got three dressmakers working on the, well, still to be summer collection now, which is obviously not ideal, but I don't think it's, because, you know, I'm so small in terms of collections and, oh, well, obviously the brand is still like only just new. So it's not like everyone is waiting for it and people are like losing it, being like, when is the gold collection coming out? (laughs) People are fine (laughs) with waiting, but even the ones because I get like messages so I've got a few samples now that I've been shooting for like a month or so so that I keep on saying like it's coming soon I've had a few messages of people asking when it's coming but I think apart from two things that are really extremely summery and they are genuinely coming in the next couple well obviously by the time this is live like it would have been out already but (laughs) as of now it's coming in the next couple of weeks uh but Everything else, I've got quite a lot of suits and things like this, which are quite summary, but obviously still work in the autumn. So I think that I'm actually quite saved thanks to that. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's not the biggest drama ever if it doesn't come out before June. So that's quite lucky. I don't have any swimsuits or anything like this that are like <laughs> summary to the maximum kind of thing. Yeah. So that's, and I'd rather just lo- waste time and find the right people to work with. And now it's like, I am not, like, I've got a seamstress that's not in my city, so I couldn't meet her. I found her online. And she seems really nice and she seems great. But I was like, I'm not going to send her my whole roll of fabric because if she's not good, then she's got everything of me. So even though that makes me waste time, I've just sent her, like, enough to make just one sample. Mm-hmm. And then she's going to back the sample and I'm going to check it and then I'll send her the thing and I think before I probably would have been like oh my god no I'm running out of time I'm just going to send her everything now because we need to get on it but now it's like no you know what I'd rather it coming out two weeks later but having something good than not coming out at all because someone is holding everything hostage and all doing a crappy job like that's there's no point yeah well I mean I know you've like listened to every episode of the show which is amazing um but like <laughs> this is something we've talked about before is like it's so yeah exciting to get to the finish line and to launch but there's something really valuable and priceless in having the self-discipline to go slow and be cautious and like you said instead of oh my gosh we have to get it i have to send her everything she's amazing and then oh it's gonna delay things longer so funny you mentioned this because i've literally listened to the one particular episode where you mentioned this on the day that other seamstress stopped working for me (laughs) like yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah definitely like definitely have been uh, doing this it's it's exactly that you just get so excited and you're like you find someone who's telling you that they can do it so you're like okay like i'll give you everything like when can you do it for and they're like oh next week and you're like oh my god amazing and it's like no yeah. <laughs> like that's not gonna happen so yeah i definitely would rather take my time now but i think it's like again because i'm like more into the slow fashion or whatever it's called like thing it doesn't really matter too much like it's not again i'm not top shop who has to get things out like every week like yeah. it's fine yeah like i'd rather go for quality pieces like i don't know if you know there's like a oh, i can't actually remember the name now but there's a brand from france who's literally it's just a mother and a daughter and they're the mother is just sewing everything herself and they're literally like uh we'll just get something out like when we have it so as soon as we've got an idea for something and my mom makes it we'll get it out and it's like that's it they don't follow any kind of calendar that's definitely more the kind of thing i'm going for than like 
okay, it's summer now, I need to get the summer collection out, even though I do it on the grand scheme of things. But I'm not even going to get the whole collection out in one go because obviously Simstress is working on their own. They can't do like that kind of production. Yeah. So I'm more going to be like, okay, this is maybe the first two pieces that are from the summer collection. And then two weeks later, again, a dress. And two weeks later, again, a suit. And because also when you don't have that many things on your website, if you get everything out at once, then people don't have any reason to go back for six months because they see everything. So it's like, why would you go back? There's nothing new. So if you get one thing out at a time, at least they're they're waiting for something and they've got reason to go back to it. Yeah, no, I actually was going to bring that up because it's a strategy that I, I think we're slowly seeing brands, especially more of the up and coming brands who are, are able to sort of start from zero and define what they want to do right now instead of being stuck in this old model of we have this collection, it launches these collections, they launch two or four times a year, and boom, we let everything out out at once. And then three weeks later, it's already stale and it's on clearance. Um, And so I think we're slowly starting to see, because you're not the first brand I've heard talk about this concept of like, slowly you trickle out piece by piece by piece they're a little bit more timeless like yeah there's some seasonality to them maybe but then you're right it gives people more reason to watch and come back and see what's out in two weeks or three or five weeks from now um it's like why i mean i know this is just the society we live in or whatever but why do everyone does everyone want everything now it's like it's it's nice to have like oh now it's like turned for this thing it keeps the excitement going and we can't always buy everything right now either i mean no exactly (laughs) And like I've talked to quite a few friends of mine when I was doing the prices actually for the second collection because I kind of freaked out when I was like, oh my god, this is going to be even more expensive than the first one, which I already thought was expensive. So I talked to my friends and they were like, you know, people can save for the clothes they want as well. Like you don't have to have it straight away. They can put some money aside for one or two months and then they'll be able to afford it. And they were like, people like who really want something will do that. And I was like, actually, that's true. Like. It doesn't have to be... uh, I know there's some people where if they can't buy it straight away, they just will never get back to it. But I've seen some people going because obviously you can tell you can track like who's going to watch your to look at your website I've seen loads of people putting stuff in their basket and only buying it a few months later or mm. I see the same person going on the website like sometimes every day and they only buy something like at the end of a very long span of time where I'm like why is this person coming to see me every day and not buying anything yeah. <laughs> but it's actually it makes sense like I've definitely done that before like without realizing it but you just like that they're probably they probably have someone who goes and be like, why is this girl like looking at our things every day? And it's exactly the same thing. It's just like you sometimes you really like something, but you can't afford it, or you're thinking, do I really need it? Or you're thinking, what would I style it with? It doesn't have to be like an instant. Oh yeah, I'll get it. Like it's fine if it takes a bit longer than that. So I think that's definitely definitely something that people on my website are doing anyway yeah that's such a great insight um so i am i am so impressed with all the lessons you've learned and everything you've gotten accomplished in less than a year because we're talking right now it's may 2018 and you literally started at one class at central st martin's in june of 2017 and you've already learned so many valuable lessons and made some great progress and really starting from zero it's pretty phenomenal um to hear hear what your journey's been so far and I can't wait to to see what the next three six twelve months brings for you Anushka yes me too thank you (laughs) well obviously there was a lot of things to learn as you can tell (laughs) (laughs) but I mean it's obviously normal when you're just dying out and you literally have not got a clue 
which was just winging it, I guess. Yeah. So, um, where can everybody find you and what you're doing online? And 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 probably Instagram would be great as well. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, so the website is wearegold.net. So that, that's W E A R G O L D dot net. And the Instagram is girls wear gold. I love that. Wear gold. Girls wear gold. I love it. Um, thank you so much for chatting with me. I would love to no, end. Thank you. Yeah, I'd love to end with the question I ask everybody at the end of the interview, which you very well know what's coming. Um, <laughs> what is one thing that people never ask you about working in the fashion industry that you wish they would? Well, see, I had thought of this question before because obviously I hear you asking it to everyone so I knew it would come but I actually kind of mentioned it already before so I feel like I'm just gonna repeat myself now but the thing I was gonna go for is definitely about the price of what it actually costs you to make the clothes I was like I feel like no one ever talks about that because it's kind of like not a lot of people are willing to talk about about how much they actually spend on them yeah. and I guess it's because most people take a really big margin on it so they don't want to say how much it actually cost them mm. but it's it really surprised me how expensive it is to get the clothes made again it's all made in England in small production so it's obviously more expensive if I was getting like 3,000 of something made in China it wouldn't be the same at all but it was way more expensive like than I thought it would ever be like it's even like a simple the simplest top can be like at least 30 pounds just for production without counting like pattern making pattern making is so hard to do it's so expensive because it takes so long for the person to do it and it's very complicated so i completely understand why it costs that much to have someone making the patterns but it is really expensive like you pay by the hour and that's well i don't know if that's the same in america but in here that's how it is anyway and it does add up really quickly to like eight nine ten hours on something and you're like maybe we can uh, make it sleeveless and it's definitely way more expensive than i thought it would be so that's like again as i've said like i thought i would be able to get on asos marketplace i thought my prices would be just a little bit above top shop prices mm, to be honest wow. i was like well, yeah, my trousers would be like 60 pounds and I think my tops would be like 25, 35. Retail. And it's not at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, thought that's what, I thought that's what I could sell them for. Like I had absolutely no clue. But as soon as I started, obviously there's like the crazy people who were like, yeah, a thousand pounds per sample, but that's that was crazy. Yeah. But it is literally like 45 pounds for, a, well, 55 pounds for like a suit just for it to be sewn together yeah like without the fabric without the patterns without all of that and it's like wow that I'm definitely not gonna make too many of these because I can't like and that's something that um I don't think anyone had prepared me for because I think people don't talk about it what a it lot costs. but yeah. also maybe because maybe because not a lot of people make their things in England I don't know well like in the in those kind of countries and obviously a lot of the bigger brands go to countries that are a lot less expensive yeah well i uh, i feel like if anyone asks like so how much does it cost you to actually make it people are getting really shy about it and i think that's something that should be talked a lot more about yeah well it's like the everlane um what did they call it 
they kind of started the trend of like some of this full transparency of like what it actually yeah. goes into the garment, how much it actually costs, you know, the material costs, the labor costs, all that stuff. And I think there is value in that. And I think the customer and the industry is slowly starting to change with yeah. some of with brands starting to do this and realizing that the customer actually really likes to see that transparency and they're okay knowing. Because yeah. also the customer does want to know, like, am I paying for something that's fair enough? Or is it like, I know brands because I have a friend who used to be a PR for like some brands that are like quite high market in France. Yeah. They would take like the most ridiculous margin. It would yeah. cost them nothing to make the clothes and they would sell them for 500 euros. And it's like, people deserve to know where their money goes. And I think people would like to know where their money goes. And I think it's also the same thing with fashion revolution and the old who made my clothes movement. And that's, well, that, that would go like, that's, I love that because that's also one of the reasons I want to make that video where you can see people making the clothes and you can know that. No, it's not some kid in Bangladesh that might yeah. a building collapsing on him any moment now. Like, it's not... I think it's like you just have to be a bit... Well, obviously, people do whatever they want, but I want to be a bit more conscious about what I wear. And I think there's definitely a kind of a trend almost for that. And I hope it's, like, not just a trend. I, think, I hope it's something that people actually integrate a lot more. But I think it's the case. I think more and more people care about well, I think what happened five years ago in Bangladesh when that building like collapsed yeah. definitely was a bit of a wake-up call uh, for a lot of people obviously probably not the majority of people but probably enough people that those kind of things matter to them and that kind of transparency actually does make a difference and they might go for you more than another brand because of it yeah and I think like the industry's worked in certain ways for so long that like this shift isn't going to yeah. happen overnight but even if we look at where we came from and it's so unfortunate that that Rana Plaza collapse is what yeah. it took for all of us to kind of wake up but it's yeah. one of those things that it's like you know look at where we've come from then to now I think a lot of consumers are slowly getting more educated brands like yours are getting out there and they're speaking up and yeah. they're giving transparency and it's gonna it's changing I really feel like it is I mean a lot of people I have on the show we talk about this and I think it's changing and it's going to be slow yeah. and it's going to take time but we are seeing a shift, which is really, really positive. You know, so. when I, I remember the episode where you interviewed that woman, I think she was called Colleen from uh, Untucked yeah, Workwear. Yeah, Colleen Monroe from Untucked Workwear. Yeah. yeah, and she was talking about, like, how her dream or, like, more um, goal was to have, like, a factory where she could, like, make her own fabrics or, like, yeah. mix fabrics. I thought that was so great. That's exactly what my lifelong goal is <laughs> i think it probably would take me like 70 years to get there but i'd love like that's the absolute dream to have like my own factory where i've got my own workers and i can know that everyone's like having a good work life and having like the your own fabrics like making your own fabrics using natural dyes like that is the absolute dream and i think that's like well, obviously, you need a lot of money to do this, so I'm very far from it. But that's definitely something I keep in mind uh, if if everything goes according to plan. Yeah, well, you have to dream big. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> I love it. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for chatting yeah, with me. So it's really great to hear your story and everything you've worked through and the mistakes and the lessons and the successes. And, um, and I really appreciate you sharing all the advice with everybody out there listening. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. I really appreciate each and every one of you out there. 
As always, the best way you can help grow the show and to get more listeners here, which just brings more value to everybody out there in the fashion industry who's trying to make it. Uh, I would be so grateful if you could share the show with someone you know in the industry. Again, that can be a friend, a coworker, someone who you know wants to break into fashion and has no idea where to start. There is a wealth of knowledge in all of these interviews. I know that because you guys tell me day in and day out how much you gain from all these amazing guests who share their stories and their advice and their tips. And go ahead and do someone else a favor out there that you know would gain some value and share this episode or one of the other episodes with them. I know they'll appreciate it and I definitely appreciate it as well. As always, if you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, visit the show notes at sfdnetwork.com slash 64. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you in the next episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast.